Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. This week, Joel Nagel preaches from Luke 10, 25-37 in a lesson called, Won't You Be My Neighbor? This week's challenge, so each week, last week we had those prayer texts go out and we prayed, kind of introduced ourselves to all of the different places that we give to this month, our Spirit of Giving month. Uh, this week's challenge is really to, to, in the smallest way possible, feel what it might feel like to be deprived of a liquid. Uh, and so we're doing a liquid fast. That doesn't mean don't drink. Um, please uh, have water. Um, and you can be thankful every time you drink water, but of some, some kind of liquid. And so I just want to let everyone know I'm not going to fast from coffee because that would be dangerous at this point, um, but maybe at some point that would be a good idea. But, but think of something, if it's diet pop or soda, um, if it's coffee, something like that, that you could, um, when you don't drink that thing, you could think, man, there are people who can't even drink clean water um, as we pray for this, uh, this week. That's what we're doing. Amen? All right. So today's message is, uh, is kind of a Mr. Rogers theme. If I can get the clicker to work, there we go. Won't you be my neighbor? And we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. You can turn there to Luke chapter 10. I got my Mr. Rogers shoes on. Um, And I thought about doing the whole thing, like changing. But that was the most confusing part about that show. Like he comes in with a jacket and shoes, takes off the jacket, puts on a new jacket, and different. It's like the same outfit, but it's like his house, the house version. Um, I know that was that was different times back then. Um, but um, awesome stuff. So let's look at, and I think this will really fit with everything we've been hearing today already as we've worshipped, Luke chapter 10 in verse 25. It says, And behold, a lawyer, and that's not like what you would think of as a lawyer, but this is an expert in the law of Moses. So this expert in the law of Moses stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? Which is so amazingly humble right off the bat for Jesus. This this expert in the law asks, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, basically, you're the expert. What do you think we need to do to inherit eternal life? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Oh man, if that was the end of the story, it'd be so good for this lawyer, but there's a but in verse 29. But he, de- but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And you can kind of hear it like, and who is my neighbor? Like in a justifying kind of way. Um, Jesus replied, this is our main text today. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And so we might read that like a a priest walks by, a pastor walks by, and then I won't get into this, but I think a good parallel today would be like an Islamic fundamentalist. Verse 33, if Jesus was shocking us today, Um, That's kind of equivalent to a Samaritan. Uh, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. 
He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, about $200, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. What an amazing conversation and an incredible story. Now, I know this is one of the most famous stories in the whole Bible. But being familiar with a passage and truly internalizing it are two different things. And so what I want to do today is just work through this parable together. In this parable, Jesus answers the question, who is my neighbor? Let's start with that question. Who is my neighbor? There's a language shift that happens from the Hebrew, which the Old Testament is written in, to the Greek, which the New Testament is written in, with this word neighbor. In Hebrew, the word for neighbor means associate, companion, someone who is like you. The Hebrews saw, okay, you're like me, we're neighbors. In Greek, the word has a proximity component to it that the Hebrew doesn't have. Just like in English, actually, neighbor means someone who is physically close to you. So in Hebrew, it's someone who is like you. In the Greek and in English as well, it's someone who's close by. And this is a shift that I think the Hebrews needed to make, and I think it's a shift Jesus wanted them to make, and that I think a lot of us still may need to make. Is my neighbor someone who I like, who shares the same interests and beliefs as me? Through this masterwork of a parable, Jesus says, no, your neighbor that you are to love as you love your own self is anyone who is around you. It's not about who they are. It's about where they are. And if they're near you at work, at school, in the neighborhood, then they are your neighbor that you are called to love and care for. Amen? The main point of this story is so convicting, and it's this. Calling ourselves Christian, that, that title, that name, it doesn't help a bleeding person. Our theological ideas don't take care of anyone. Where we go on Sunday mornings doesn't mean that we're going to help somebody on Friday night. Being a Christian, but not being like Christ, is not a saving faith. It doesn't save people who are hurting, and it doesn't save us either. The question here is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? James would later write, show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. So let's talk about why do we pass by? I think we all want to be the person who lives out their faith, who loves and helps those around him or her. And you guys are amazing. Um, Ola and Omalara said it, DJ said it, and I'm not like paying these guys to say these things. They're like, this church is awesome. We love this church. This church is awesome. I know that you do so much for people around you. I know that gathering here on Sunday does make an impact on Friday nights because that's where our hearts are. We help, we encourage, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes I don't. I'm not always a good neighbor, but I want to be. 
And I bet you do too. And so let's talk about that, t- that today. You know, there's, even in the parable, there's a ratio here. Two-thirds of people pass by this man who is hurting. And I wonder if there's something to, to that number. I wonder how often do we pass by the needs that we see? Two-thirds of the time? Maybe we could work on getting better, like get it down to only a one-third of a time pass. That's a pretty good three-point percentage. Um, but really what we want to make it is we want it to be a slam dunk that we love people no matter who they are when we see them in need. We want to be the Samaritan in the story, but we have to admit that so often we're like the priest, we're like the Levite. We pass by on the other side. Let's spend some time today looking at why we pass by. Um, The first reason, I think, is just straight-up bad theology. You know, I think it's really hard uh, to break the chosen people mindset. Sometimes, uh, you know, Israel was God's chosen people, but they were never supposed to isolate themselves and have this superiority complex and act like their chosen people. Um, God's dream for Israel was that it would be a light to the world, that the whole world could be saved through Israel, not looked down at by Israel. And so when Jesus goes into the temple, he famously makes a whip. He turns over the tables in the temple because people were taking advantage of their neighbors who had traveled so far to come near and worship at the temple. And he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. All kinds of people are supposed to come here and you're not being good neighbors throwing over the table, cracking the whip. Jesus, in his most important sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? We've got we to be careful that we don't slip into this chosen people, exclusive, tribal, judgy mindset. Here's the thing. Theologically, we are the chosen people. We are in his kingdom. We will judge the angels. But we are not those things um, so that we can be judgy and exclusive. We are those things so that we can love people, so that we can be a light. You have been chosen. You are a chosen people, a holy nation so that you can love people even when the loving gets tough. I want us to have that theology on straight. Our salvation depends on it. What must we do to inherit eternal life? Love God with our all and love our neighbors as ourselves. It's got to be the bedrock of our theology. Amen? Won't you be a neighbor? I think another reason why we pass by sometimes is that we don't see our neighbors. All right, I'm going to ask you a question here. This might blow your minds. You ready for this? Have you ever seen your neighbor bringing in their groceries? Think about that for a second. We live in a simulation. Um, No. um, (laughs) Seriously, like, they must buy groceries, right? But you never see your neighbors bringing, why is, what is going on? What is that? Um, actually, I was at my neighbor's, neighbor's house the other day, and the wife was bringing groceries, and I'm like, okay, but this doesn't count because I'm actually at your house. But I've never seen, they must eat, but you never see it, okay? Um, in all seriousness, I think a big reason we pass by is because we're blind. 
we just don't see. Uh, this poor man is left for dead on the side of the road. There's an obvious need there. But you know what? The needs of our neighbors aren't always so obvious. The people that God has put in our lives, our neighbors are often bleeding, alone, in need of help, but they're keeping it inside. There are people in your life right now that that God has put in your life that have mental health issues, addiction issues, painful marriage struggles, secret sin, trust issues, chronic illness. Do you see them? You know, society trains us to, to hide our hurts. The church, I think, often unintentionally reinforces that. We start to think we're supposed to come here and look good, when really we're supposed to come and admit, hey, I'm sick, I got problems, I need help, but we get afraid. Jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I hope that, you know, as we, as we get together for our discipling groups, um, our house churches, that you can be real um, and that we can be looking for, for our, out for our brothers and sisters, that we can get the help and the love that I know that this church, that I know you can't wait to give it, but we've got to be able to see it. Amen? That's within the church. I think outside of the church, it, people have an even harder time being real. When, when you're with your neighbors at work, school, wherever, you know, you might only get a glimpse, a blink, a tip of the iceberg moment to see that that person is really hurting. Maybe it's just like a weird comment about their marriage or a a sudden silence when a certain topic comes up. It's so hard. How do we help our neighbors when we can't see that they're bleeding? The way we can do this is we've got to listen. Uh, You know, I've been uh, beating the listen drum for the last year and a half. I'm not going to stop. Are we listening? Are we looking? If Jesus told this parable today, maybe there'd be some different details. Maybe he'd say, you know, hey, well, the priest was walking along the road. He had his headphones in, and he was watching a video on his phone. Didn't even see the guy. Or the Levite was so caught up in his own problems that he couldn't imagine having the bandwidth to help somebody else. You guys remember when when Jesus had the conversation with the rich young ruler? He asks him questions, a lot like he does with this lawyer here. He listens to his answers. And then it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And this is a guy who ends up rejecting Jesus. He listened, he looked, and he loved. The world needs Christians. This area needs us to listen, look, and love. How many of you guys remember stop, drop, and roll? Like if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, stop, drop, and roll. That was a big deal. Like we used to practice stopping, dropping, and rolling. And I mean, you would think that you'd be doing it a couple times a year. I've never once stopped, dropped, or rolled. And I'm grateful for that because it's what you do if you catch on fire. Um, But like, man, you were like practicing that stuff, right? Stop, drop, and roll. Not such a big deal. Listen. Look and love, such a big deal. Practice that. You'll need it. Because you've got neighbors right now. 
that needs somebody who will listen to them. You have to invest and get to know someone to even have the opportunity to truly listen. The people God has put around you need you to truly look at them. You might have to look away from some things in your life to find the time. Like, we're, we're so busy looking at the things of our life. Are you really looking at the people around you? And having listened and looked, a lot of times we don't like what we hear and what we see. The real picture, the real story, even from people who seem put together, maybe they seem well off, you know, it's usually pretty messed up once we can listen and look. And here's where I think bad theology comes in. Again, we think, we think that without God, some people are good and some people are bad. But that's bad theology. No, without God, some people are good at hiding the bad and others aren't so good at hiding the bad. If people aren't loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, like, like what this lawyer knows is the truth, there's a mess behind whatever they're showing. And we can listen, look, and love them through that. Anyway, amen? Won't you be their neighbor? We lack mercy. The last thing here. Why do we pass by? We lack mercy. Jesus ends by asking the teacher of the law, which of these three proved to be a neighbor? And the man replies, I don't think he could get himself to say the Samaritan. Um, he says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. We got a mercy problem uh, in our world. And I think in our lives, our nature is to be the opposite of James 1.19. Often we're slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. I guess that's why James wrote it the other way for us, that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. A lack of mercy keeps us from being neighbors. We judge instead of being merciful. Even the, you know, the setting, and this is, this is pretty cool, the setting of this story that Jesus tells, he starts by saying a man was going from Jerusalem, down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This was a famous road um, in Jesus' time because there's lots of crags and hills. You're going down um, the whole way. It's mountainous. And there, it was famous for having bandits, robbers, people who would beat you up, leave you naked, and take all your stuff. And so, um, you know, the priest and the Levite, as they walked by, they could have judged, as I think we often do when people have trouble. Well, he must have brought that trouble upon himself. What was he doing on this road by himself anyway? He should have been with a group. He should have traveled a different way, a safer way. He should have taken self-defense classes and got a black belt in Taekwondo. What? It's this guy's fault. I'm going to pass on the other side. We can make some pretty big mental leaps in our brains to justify not loving people. And that's really what started this whole story. The teacher of the law wanted to justify himself, right? So he says, who is my neighbor? And then he answers his own question in the end, the one who shows mercy. Jesus' masterful storytelling, he gets, the, he gets the man to change his whole perspective. Who is my neighbor is a judgy self-focused question. Who, well, who do I have to love like I love myself? Realizing it's the one who showed mercy 
actually changes the question from who is my neighbor to a much better question, have I been a neighbor? Have I loved? Have I shown mercy? We can make up a million reasons in our head to not show mercy, to not give love. So um, a few weeks ago after church, I took my kids to Jimmy John's. Um, Every single week, my kids ask, can we go to Jimmy John's? They love it so much. And we get there, and there is a homeless man waiting like right outside the door, like almost blocking the door to the Jimmy John's. And he is uh, aggressive in asking for food. Um, And I've got, it's just me, my two daughters, and someone's aggressive at like, I bristle up right away. I'm like, ah, it's like defense mode, right? And, uh, and so we walk past him. I didn't say anything to him. We go in, um, and I'm ordering, and Amelia, my fourth grader, is just like laser eyes staring me down. Like, like, like I know she's the dad. Are you going to get this guy a sub? What's going on? She's just like on me, okay? She didn't have to say a word. And internally, I'm like working on my heart. Um, and I get to the point where I'm, okay, work through stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get him a sub, but just one of the cheaper subs. Just being real. And then I think, no, no, okay, I should get him what I would get myself, a number 10 Hunter's Club, which is the best sub at Jimmy John's. Um, and so, so we do that. We give him the sub on the way out, and, and he, he's like, what is it? Because I didn't, I didn't even say I'm going to get you a sub because I just wasn't there. Um, and, and I tell him it's number 10, Hunter's Club, best sub at Jimmy John's. And he says, that's a big sub. And we go on our way. I'm telling you that because it was a struggle. My heart does not choose mercy first. And this was right after church. I should have been in prime mercy mode, right? But even that, this is what we do to justify, was a, was a thought that ran through my head. I'm like, this guy is looking to take advantage of church people. He knows it's Sunday at noon. No, he's hungry. That's all that matters. We don't need to judge people. In fact, Jesus makes it clear time and again that we are not to judge people. That's God's job. We listen, look, and love. I know I've got a lot of work to do in the mercy department of my heart, and I want to encourage you, will you join me in reprioritizing mercy? so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves. Will you go and do likewise? Won't you be a neighbor? All right, I want to close with this last thought, uh, and it's just this one word, inheritance. The teacher of the law actually uses the perfect word when he initially asks Jesus his question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life is inherited. Inherited, not earned. We read passages like this, and we can think that if we help enough hurting people, give away enough Jimmy Johns, give the most to our neighbors, and give to the world through our special missions giving, then we will earn our way to heaven. The question is not, how do I earn my way to heaven? The question is about inheriting. And what is an inheritance? It's mercy. It's getting a gift that radically changes your future just because of the family that you were born into, 
as Christians, we've been born into the family of God. And we've received an inheritance that we could never earn, that we don't deserve, we can't ever deserve. It's mercy on the grandest scale. I mean, think of the reasons that God could come up with to pass by on the other side from us instead of showing us mercy. In our sin, we're all left bleeding and naked. Yet, he comes to us, binds up our wounds, pours oil and wine, puts us on his animal so that, we, so that he has to walk, takes us to the inn, makes sure that we're looked after, and if there's more expense later on, he's got that covered too. And did we do anything to deserve that? No. We just laid there, naked and bleeding, and he refused to pass us by. But something happens in our brains. After we're saved, we start to think, I better earn this. We start to look at other people, shake our heads, because they don't seem as active in earning mercy as we are. It's an inheritance. You've got a rich dad who loves you. Chill out. Here's the thing. If we would understand inheritance, we would give so much more. We'd love so much more. I mean, imagine. Imagine you really did have a rich dad on earth who gave you everything and you were all set, but then you start frantically doing the dishes and mowing the lawn and you're yelling at your other brothers and sisters because they aren't helping and so they're not deserving anymore. That's no way to live. If we understand that it's inherited, that's mercy, we still do the dishes, we mow the lawn, we buy the Jimmy Johns, we listen to our neighbors so we can love them, we share our faith, we give sacrificially to special missions, we do the things, but not with the heart of an earner. That's not the right heart. Instead, we can have the heart of a learner, a disciple. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Someone who gets to learn, not earn, all the way up until the day that that inheritance becomes a full reality. You'll give so much more if you realize that you've been given so much. Jesus even says, he who has been forgiven little loves little. But here's the thing, there's no such thing as a Christian who's been forgiven little. So why are there so many who love little? I think it's because we don't understand inheritance. Your inheritance is so amazing that you can be a good neighbor to every single person that God has put in your life. Even him. Even her. You are the product of mercy. So I was getting ready for this message. I was reading and studying, but I also went in a, into a deep dive of Mr. Rogers' videos, which I totally encourage that, okay? Um, and there's this thing that Mr. Rogers would do when he accepted awards. There'd be all these rich and famous movie stars, and he's at, you know, whatever award ceremony is, a big production, music. There's supposed to be smooth transitions like you saw here at church today. Um, and, and he would say something like what I'm about to say. He would, this is what he would say. And I want you to, I really want you to hear this. this. This is the last thought here. You're here today. You are here today because of mercy. You're here because you inherited mercy, kindness, 
and love even when you didn't deserve it. You've been shown mercy and love by Jesus on the cross. And you've been shown mercy and love by people who loved you instead of judging you. People who came over to you and helped bind up your wounds instead of taking the easier path and crossing by on the other side. You are a product of those people's mercy. And so what I want you to do right now is take 10 seconds and think about the people who've loved you and shown you mercy. And I'll keep the time. I'm sure that you pictured some amazing people that God's put in your life, some real neighbors who loved you no matter what. You know, in those award shows, they always show the audience, it's all these big stars. It's like Tom Hanks and everything. They're just crying. They're like just crying because they realize the kindness that they receive from people in their lives. Won't you be a neighbor? There's this song that Mr. Rogers sang many times that I think perfectly describes how God sees us once we've inherited eternal life. I want to close with just these simple words from a children's song, these lyrics, but I want this to be a blessing to you. Amen? This is God speaking to you through the words of Mr. Rogers. Ready? I like you as you are, exactly and precisely. I think you turned out nicely, and I like you as you are. I like you as you are without a doubt or a question or even a suggestion, because I like you as you are. I like your disposition, your facial composition. And with your kind permission, I'll shout it to a star. That's God's heart for us in his mercy. Let's go and do likewise. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.